greatly bless you for that. 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse number 10. The Bible says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? And did they not sing one to one of another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad, wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? That Shall this fellow come into my house? Let's go to God in prayer and then after we pray you can be seated. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for your presence and I want to thank you this morning for the touch of God in this service. And Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence this morning, we just pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would bless the message. I thank you for the songs that have been sung. Lord, certainly there's many things and many people we need to pray for and we need to pray about. But God, I pray that these next few moments that we would set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. I pray that you would take the word of God and speak to us intently. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts and receive with meekness the engrafted word. And God, I ask you that, Lord, that we would be obedient and willing to do whatever the Spirit of God would bid us to do in this service. I pray, Lord, that you would have the preeminence, that you would bind the devil and any foul hindering spirit that would hinder the work of the Spirit of God. Do that work that needs to be done. And for what you do, we'll love you, we'll thank you and pray you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number 13. Notice the Bible says here, talking about David, that he changed his behavior before them. Now, when you come to the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel, there is a lot of verses that we did not read in the early uh, part of this chapter here, uh, but we will go through some of it this morning just in this story. And some commentaries believe that David was right with God, and others believe that David was not right with God. Now, you will have to make that decision for yourself, but I personally believe uh, that David is not right with God. I believe that the scriptures in this text here uh, will prove that and will point to the fact that David is at a time in his life, though that David was a man after God's own heart, uh, but when David was walking in the fear of God, he feared no man. Isn't that right? But when David when David drifted and walked in uh, his own flesh, and rather than walking in faith, uh, David feared Saul and those that was around him. And certainly that is true in all of our lives, that whenever we're not walking in faith and we're not walking in the Spirit of God, it's very easy to live our life in fear. In this chapter, I think that you'll find that David is in a backslid state. Now, I know that Jesus made reference to this in Matthew chapter number 12, and because of that, some people believe that uh, David was right in what he did. But if you look closely at what Jesus said, even Jesus said uh, that the actions of David, eating the showbread and, and some of the things that we find here in this text that David did was not lawful. So Jesus, though he mentions that, he does 
does not put his stamp of approval on what David did. And can I tell you, uh, the Lord will never put his stamp of approval on our life uh, uh, whenever we're not where we're supposed to be at. And so with that in mind this morning, I want to take verse number 13 and I want to preach on this subject on the behavior of a backslider. The behavior of a backslider. The Bible says in verse number 13, uh, the talking about David, that he changed his behavior before them. And can I tell you something this morning that whenever you and I that are saved, uh, whenever we begin to get cold and indifferent on God, whenever we begin to drift, uh, whenever we begin to stray in our heart or stray in our life, uh, there is always a change uh, in our behavior. Isn't that right? I don't care if it's just backsliding for one day or backsliding for one year. Uh, Our behavior changes uh, when our heart is not in tune with God. Amen. Now, when you think about that this morning, a backslider, it affects them in so many ways. It affects their heart, first of all. They begin to desire different things. When you backslide, you don't desire God, and I don't desire God like we once used to. Amen? Uh, There's an old saying that says uh, that if you was ever closer to God than what you are right now, then you can mark it up, you're backslid. Amen? And backsliding does not start in the hands. It doesn't start in the feet. It doesn't start in the eyes or the ears, it starts in the heart. Amen. Long before you can ever see it, there's a drifting and a wandering in our heart in the secret places of our soul before we ever commit that with our actions. Amen. And so it affects our heart. Then it affects our mind. Amen. Whenever a person backslides, their heart is changed, but then their mindset is changed. Isn't that right? You think about people, when they begin to backslide, they think different, don't they? All of a sudden, uh, they begin to uh, think uh, uh, their their, their whole uh, uh, psychological mentality begins to change. Uh, uh, You try to talk to them and you try to point them in the right direction. What used to be sound doctrine to them, all of a sudden they say things like this, well, I don't really see it that way anymore. Or, well, I used to believe it that way, but now uh, I kind of see it in a different light. Uh, uh, You know what's wrong with them? Uh, They're drifting from God uh, and their mind is beginning to change about the things that they used to believe and it affects the heart, it affects the mind, it affects the spirit amen, you know when a person backslides their spirit's different you may not know what's going on in their life and you can't see what's in their heart and you can't see what's going on in their mind but you can always tell in their spirit that spirit of submission, that spirit of loving God, that spirit of loving the saints, uh, that joyful spirit, that peaceful spirit, uh, that spirit of goodness and gentleness, uh, all the sudden things are beginning to change. Uh, when you backslide, uh, uh, it tells in your heart. It tells in your thinking process. Uh, you no longer see it the way the man of God sees it. You no longer see it the way the Sunday school teacher teaches it. You know, you're beginning to look at things different. Why? The Word of God hadn't changed. Uh, uh, the church hadn't hadn't changed. Uh, uh, The preacher hadn't changed. uh, uh, But your mindset is changing. Uh, Your spirit begins to change. I've seen people that they were the kindest people. And then all of a sudden when they backslide, they turn junkyard mean. You know what I'm saying? 
I've seen people that, that at one time would shake your hand, hug your neck with tears in their eyes and say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But when their spirit begins to change, they can no longer even look at you. They can no longer even talk to you. They begin to avoid you. Why is that? Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with the church. But their spirit has changed because they are backslid. It affects their heart. It affects their mind. It affects their spirit. And can I tell you something else? It affects their face. Now, not everybody that is sad is backslid. I understand that. But sadness in a believer comes and it goes. Is that true this morning? Brother Mark, when we, whenever we go through trials, uh, God gives us grace. And though our heart may be broken, and sometimes we go to church and we're heavy hearted and, and we're saddened because of maybe circumstances or problems. Uh, but you know what? Uh, God don't leave us in a sad condition. I'm telling you, if God left us in a sad condition with a long face all the time, he wouldn't be a very good God, would he? Amen. In fact, what God likes to do when we go through trials, uh, he likes to give us grace and give us joy in the midst of that trial. Though we may be sad for a season, that joy does come in the morning. Even though that trial may be there, what is our greatest testimony to this world and even to other believers is that somewhere's in a sermon or somewhere's in a song or somewhere's in that service or somewhere's in that secret place. God will lift you up above the shadows. He will give you grace for the race. And my friend, God will turn that, take that frown and he'll turn it upside down and there'll be some joy in the midst of your sorrow. But now you mark this down. People that always have long faces that are truly saved, there's a heart issue. You'll never convince me that God ain't big enough to put joy in your soul if you're right with him. You'll never convince me that you have to go around uh, frustrated and aggravated and frowning all the time to be spiritual. You might say, well now, Brother Gravely, uh, the Bible says to be sober, and I understand that, but that means to be serious-minded, not to be sour-looking. Somebody say amen, uh, because you can be serious-minded and be sober and be joyful at the same time. I see a lot of long faces in the house of God uh, where I go. Uh, I see people, my friend, uh, you better drink about five gallons of I don't give a rip before you get up and preach or before you get up and sing or before you get up and do anything because there's a lot of people they'll look at you like you got another head growing off your shoulder somewhere I've even seen people look at me and make mean ugly faces while I was preaching now none of y'all's never done that well hang on a second I'm not going to lie in the pulpit let me come over here amen I've seen people, they wanted to let me know they didn't like what I was saying. And I've seen people, they, you'd say something, they'd get that look on you like you're crazy. I've seen it in other people. Maybe uh, when the choir is practicing or maybe when the choir is singing or when somebody's testifying, somebody get that crazy look. I mean, hey, if you're saved, you ought to at least smile when something's being done for God. Can I get a witness? 
But why do people do that? It's because they're backslid and it affects their face. It affects their tongue, their dialogue. Amen. You say, what do you mean? I mean, they're always negative when they're backslid. Remember Jonah? And listen, Jonah didn't like Nineveh getting right with God. Jonah didn't like the, uh, uh, the worm getting in the gourd. I mean, Jonah just stayed mad all the time, didn't he? Amen. He is mad about the will of God. He is mad about revival. I mean, my Lord, how could you get mad about a city getting turned upside down and people getting right with God? There's only one way. When you're backslid, friend, nothing satisfies you. Nothing makes you happy. I mean, if somebody was to come and give you a, a pot of gold, you'd find something to complain about it. Amen. You know why that is? Because backslid people can never be made satisfied. It comes out in their vocabulary. They're always complaining. It's either too hot or it's too cold. It's either raining too much or we're in a drought. Amen. I'm telling you, they're always upset about something. They're never counting their blessings. They're always aggravated because life is not going the way that they think it should go. Amen. Well, that's where we're at today, folks. Can I tell you something about pastoring? It's got tougher in the last five years. And that's not an indictment on this church, but I want to tell you something. It is the truth of the matter. I want God to bless this church and I want God to run it over and I want to build another church. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes I wonder if that's going to happen. I'm just telling you the truth. Because we're not dealing, it's changed in the last five years. The temperature of spirituality in our churches has plummeted even in the good churches. Because most of the people that come to church nowadays, and Lord help me right here, but most of the people that come to church today, they live most of their life in a backslid state because they don't read, they don't pray, they won't be committed to the church, they won't be loyal to the man of God, they don't have any respect for the authority that's in their life, they let their children live any way they want to live, and if you dare say something about it, you have crossed them, and they'll just go somewhere else, and there's plenty of other places that will willingly take them in and never care anything about how they're living. You can say what you want to, live how you want to live, and everything is okay. They don't want leadership. They just want a puppet. They want an entertainer. They want a performer. They want somebody to pat them on their little head and tell them everything's okay and let them go out the door and go back to their life. I want to tell you something, friend. If a man of God loves you enough, he'll check the spiritual temperature in your life and he will pray about it and he will tell you the truth, amen. Now that gets you in trouble sometimes. But I'll tell you something, I've dealt with more criticism in the last five years than I've ever seen in my life. People don't have the gumption to come say it to me, but they'll sure say it about you. Amen. Now don't you get quiet on me or I'll preach till two o'clock. I'll let you watch the time this morning, Amen. But I'm telling you, backslid people, you know what they'll do? Listen, they'll find something wrong with everything in the church. They'll find something wrong with everybody in the church. I've been in churches, friend. Listen, I hadn't been there just one night or two, and I could tell there was division. I could tell there was problems in that church. And I'm telling you what, in 48 hours, I could tell you 10 things right with that church for every one thing they could find wrong with it. But to a backslid person, they don't appreciate anything. They don't appreciate what the church does 
much for them. They don't appreciate the sacrifice. They don't appreciate the hours studied. They don't appreciate the man of God praying for them. They don't appreciate the deacons praying for them. They're not interested in the sacrifice that people make to help them advance spiritually. You know why that is? Because they don't want to advance spiritually. All they can do is find something to complain about. Now, if you got something to complain about, come tell me. But it ain't gonna do you no good. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. You ain't gonna change my mind. Amen. If I'm wrong, you will change my mind. But the Holy Spirit's got to tell me I'm wrong. You say, have you ever been wrong? Sure I have. Two times. <laughs> but it's amazing. I told a preacher the other day, he was whining. I said, look, I said, I'm just going to tell you something. You might as well suck it up. It ain't getting no better. He said, but preacher, I said, don't preacher me. I said, I got the same problems you got. I said, just on a little bit bigger of a scale. I said, and I made my mind up. I'm just going to go to bed and sleep at night. I'm not sitting up all night worrying about problems. They're not doing it, so why should I? Amen. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to be, you just, you just got to know what God's told you to do and you just got to go forward and let the chips fall where they're going to fall and let the critics criticize. I wish everybody loved me. I wish everybody liked me. I wish I could get along with everybody. But the truth of the matter is Jesus couldn't and I'm nowhere on the same level Jesus is on. And if Jesus couldn't satisfy that backslid crowd, uh, listen, you and I never will. You say, what do you do? You pray for them, amen? And you just keep pushing forward and you just keep going on for God and you pray they don't get left in the dust but life's too short we gotta do what we can for the glory of God but I'll tell you something when you're backslid it will tell in your tongue amen it amazing how easy it is to criticize to gossip to say about that you know there was something happened the other day uh, when we was on the trip and, and I told the people that was on the trip I said you know what it's been a great week I said let's not even talk about that and they didn't. Thank God for that. Amen. Why let one thing that happened overshadow all the good things? Isn't that right? Can I tell you this morning, uh, uh, listen, uh, so many times churches have been ripped apart, families have been destroyed, uh, all because of the tongue, amen? The Bible tells us that it is full of deadly poison and if we're not glorifying God we've got to be very careful what we say. I'm telling you, we can criticize uh, and we can do uh, irreversible damage uh, in the life of individuals, in the lives of our children. We've just got to be careful what we say and how we say it. We don't need to say something that casts doubt and somebody's mind. If it's not right, uh, just take it to the Lord in prayer and leave it there. Amen. I'm telling you, it'll affect your tongue. And then can I say this? Uh, when you're backslid, it will affect your body. Amen. It'll affect your appearance. You ever notice when people backslide how they change their wardrobe? They start doing things. They start doing things they wouldn't do before. There was a young man at youth camp and I had to go three times and tell him to pull his britches up. And uh, he was running around and I asked him the third time, I said, are you saved? He said, I am. I said, then act like it. I mean, his britches are this far down. You can see his underwear. And I told him, I said, if I tell you again pulling britches up, he's about 17 years old. I said, if I tell you again pulling britches up, I said, I'm going to personally go get a belt because he wouldn't wear one. I said, go get a belt. He had one. He just wouldn't put it on. I said, if I tell you one more time, I said, I'm going to get that belt. And I said, I'm going to jerk your britches up to your neck and I'm going to tighten that belt around your neck so it doesn't come down. Amen. Now, don't you criticize that. I mean, he's 17 years old. 
We're trying to help young people, amen? And he's walking around like a thug, amen? Somebody needs to help that young man, isn't that right? Now, was it being mean? I'm just telling you, that's the same way my daddy would have talked to me. And I'm telling you, listen, it's not politically correct, but who gives a rip, amen? I'm telling you, if you love people enough, you better take a strong hand. If you don't, they'll steamroll right over you, amen? I'm just simply saying, and it's no different in our church today. We are in such a mess today because anything goes... You wear whatever you want to on Sunday. You dress any way you want to dress in the house of God. And listen, if the preacher even dares say something about it, somebody gets sideways. Well, I want to tell you something this morning. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're to believe in holiness, amen? And you're to believe in decency. You're to believe in respect and morality. And you're to dress right. And you're to do right when you go to the house of God, amen? I'm not talking to visitors this morning but I'm talking to church members. But when people backslide, it's amazing how they change their wardrobe, their dress. They change their actions, don't they? I'm never going to get to this message, but it's going to be okay. They change their actions. Their deeds are different. Uh, uh, they change their company. They find a different crowd to run with. They start distancing themselves from the people that they love so much and all of a sudden people at work are very intriguing to them. All of a sudden, you know, family members that they were trying to witness and get in church now, all of a sudden they hooked up and they're acting like the family member that needs to get right with God. All of a sudden, uh, uh, they're changing their attitude. They're changing their company. All these things, their behavior, their commitment and their devotion begins to change. They used to be faithful on Wednesday night. They used to be faithful on Sunday morning. But now guess what? They lay out on Sunday morning to go to the racetrack. Amen? Or they lay out on Sunday night to sit at home and watch the Super Bowl or to watch their favorite team on on ball day. They miss visitation because they got to be on the lake or they got to go do this or they got to go do that. You know, listen, there's nothing wrong with some things but all of a sudden their commitments have changed and their devotions have changed and they make statements like this that preacher in that church they're just they're just too hard they're just too legalistic man I'm telling you all the preacher he's got it out for me no the preacher ain't got it out for you but somebody does it's God the Holy Ghost I'm talking about David changed his behavior in this text Time will not let me deal with all of it. But I want you to just notice that if you go back and read the early verses of this chapter, the first place his behavior changed. Now what about this? In verses 1 down to verse number 6, it changed before the priest, the man of God. That's the first place David goes in. And I don't believe David was right because the first thing he did was he lied to the priest. He lied to the preacher. Now you can't be right with God lying to the preacher. Somebody say amen. He looked that priest right square in his eyes and said, hey, I need the show bread and I need a sword. I, I've been sent down here on a, on, a, on a journey by Saul. Well, you know that's not true, amen. Uh, this David is running for his life and he's operating in fear rather than faith. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to be where he was at and he lied to the preacher. He 
came to the preacher not for what he could give to the house of God, but for what he could get out of the house of God. And he took the holy bread, the things that once had value, spiritual value to David, now he's only using that to satisfy his physical or his fleshly desire. You know, that's the way people are when they backslide. Listen, they will avoid the preacher or they may lie to the preacher. They may say something when they know good and well that's not the truth. The preacher may say, well, why are you missing church? Well, I'm just having to work. And sometimes people do have to work in this church. I understand that. But there's a difference in having to work and volunteering to work. Amen? Big difference there, isn't there? Now, the preacher doesn't know, but God does. Sometimes they'll, they'll say, uh, you know, you can always tell when people's not telling the truth. We're all the same, aren't we? You know, somebody say, uh, brother, I missed you last Sunday. Yeah, well, you know, um, um, well, I had something come up. You know what something come up means? I don't want to tell you, preacher. Isn't that right? Now, if it's real personal, I understand that. But if that's something that came up was you had to go get in a deer stand on Sunday morning, amen, yeah, that's something that came up may come down real quick if you get in it on Sunday morning, amen. Or if you had to go to the lake or if you had to go uh, take, your little, uh, take your son or your daughter to play Little League on Sunday morning and miss the house of God and you're too ashamed to tell the preacher or to say anything to anybody about it. I'm just simply telling you that's where we're living at today, friend. Uh, is David lied to the man of God, but more importantly, he lied to the Lord. Amen? And I'm telling you, God sees what we say and you may get by and you may convince the preacher that everything's just okay. Uh, but you'll never convince the Lord. God knows our heart this morning. And I see that it changed his behavior toward the preacher. It changed, my friend, his behavior uh, toward, uh, I see here, his own protection. You know what David does? Now, this is, this is insanity. Look at verse 8. David says to Ahimelech, he says, And is there not here under thine hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Now that's not true. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. It, if thou wilt take that, take it. Notice what David says. For there is no other save that here. And David said this, There is none like that. Give it to me. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Why is a man that killed the the superman giant of the Philistine army with a stone and a sling, why is all of a sudden he needing a sword? And I got a second question for you. The next verse tells us he went down to Gath. That's where, that's the land of the Philistines. Now I'm not the smartest person in the world, but if I was trying to hide my identity, I wouldn't walk through the Philistines' hometown with Goliath's sword. Don't you think they would recognize that? Because the Bible said there's none other like it. And don't you think if David was the man who killed Goliath, 
The last thing I'd want to be holding in Philistine territory if I was trying to hide my identity is the very sword because the last time they saw David, he had that sword raised up and was cutting Goliath's head off with it. What I'm saying is uh, when people backslide, it changes their perception, amen? They don't think like they're supposed to. David goes down there walking in the Philistine's own territory thinking he's gonna be unrecognized. Uh, you know what that's like? That's like a child of God that's been saved and right with God going back out there to this world and living in sin and then living like the rest of the world and thinking the world's not gonna recognize that you're not one of them, amen? I'm gonna tell you something, David was identified immediately. They looked at him, they saw him and they saw that sword and they said, you know what, is that not David? The one that they danced in the street and sang that Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? Hey, listen to me, friend. When people backslide, they always live in fear, amen. What motivated David to do this? It's verse number 10. Look what the Bible says. And David arose and fled that day, watch this, for fear of Saul. Backsliders live their life in fear. They're constantly looking over their shoulder, wondering, what's going to happen to me? Now, people that can backslide and sin and never worry about it, there's only one answer to that. They're not saved. If you can live your life in sin and not worry about the fear of God, you're not saved. But if you're saved and you get away from God, even though you may be in church, when things go wrong and when things, don't, when things mess up in your life, if you're backslid, you're constantly reminded, is this because I'm not right with God? Is this just life or is, if I brought this on myself? And I want to tell you, there's a lot of people that can never live in true victory because they're going to church, but they're not moving any closer to God. David goes down to Gath, the worst place possible to go to. A place that God never blessed any man in the scriptures that he went to. The Philistines' territory, the world. And you cannot live in the world and be blessed by the hand of God. I want to, you don't have to raise your hand this morning, but I wonder how many of us sitting here, we want the blessings of God in our life. He said, Preacher, I want God to bless me. Then you got to be living where God wants you at. You got to put God as the priority in your life. You got to be faithful to church. You got to be where God wants you to be. God don't expect any of us to be perfect. He expects us to strive for it. No one will never reach it, but He expects us to pursue Him, not the things of this world. I'm so afraid this morning that in the congregation this size that many times there are people that they live below their privileges. You're having turmoil and trouble in your life and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to fix it and you're just saying, if I can just straighten this out, if I can just straighten that out, that's what David was doing with that sword. If I can just get rid of Saul, if I can just take care of this, but can I tell you something? The answer wasn't Saul. The answer was God. Amen? And the answer is always God. David didn't need a sword. He needed God. He didn't need a stone. He didn't need a sling. He just needed God. God. And the answer for you this morning is not that you're going to straighten your life out and that things are somehow going to get better and you're going to work this problem out and then everything's going to get good all of a sudden. No. The answer is you need God in your life. You need to be committed. You need to be devoted to God. You need to surrender your will to God's will and say, I don't know what's best for me. And God, I need these things out of my life. And Lord, just get these things out of my life and give me the grace to overcome them. And if you'll do that, God will bless you. You'd be amazed how one person getting right with God in this church 
could bring revival to this church. I've seen it. I've seen when one person got on fire for God, the difference it made in this church. Now just think this morning, if everybody in this church would move up closer to God, just think about what this church could be. This church could go from being a good church to a great church. And from a great church, more importantly, to a godly church. Our churches are in more trouble than they've ever been. And David in this text, what I notice about him, and we'll not elaborate on it, I'll just throw, give this to you and be done. David is acting in a manner that's not real. He's, put, he's letting spit drop off his face. He's scrabbling on the door of the gate. That's not who David is, is that right? And when people are backslid, that's not who they really are. They're not real. They become a person that they're really not because they're not walking in the Spirit. David's not real. David's not right in this text. And David is not respectful. Here's a man that cut the, he cut Goliath's head off in front of all these Philistines. And now he's scrabbling on the door with spit dripping off his chin. How disrespectful that is. When people get away from God, you know what happens? You lose the respect of others. More importantly, you know who David's losing the respect of? This world. The world does not respect people that do not live for God. They may not appreciate those people that live for God. They may not like them. But I promise you this. If you live, they respect you. Amen. I don't want to live my life to make the world happy. But I want to live my life in a way that hopefully they'll look at my life and say, I see Christ. I see Jesus. The world's tired of the t-shirts. They're tired of the crosses around people's neck. You know, they're tired of the they're tired of the car washes. Amen. With the sign church on them. They're tired of the yard sales. They're tired of the changing the music like their music. They don't got no respect for that. The world is sick and tired of all the things and the gimmicks that the church has tried in these last days to somehow appease them. I drove by a church the other day and it said this on the sign. It said, I don't even know anything about what's going on in this area and don't even care, but I drove by a church sign and on the church sign it said, Friday night, Star Wars, free popcorn and movie. And I'm not being critical, but when I saw that, I said to myself, the world don't care. You think the world cares? If you're, I don't care if you had a screen the size of that wall. You think the world cares that the church is showing Star Wars on a Friday night? Man, if they want to watch Star Wars, they'll go to the movie house. Amen. And when I saw that, I thought, man, that just makes God look so cheap. That makes Christianity look so fake that we have to use the world's agenda hoping, praying, and wishing they would come in. And you would be surprised the people sitting here this morning that doesn't think that's a bad idea. I'm going to tell you what gets the job done. Preaching. Praying. Worshiping God. Going out them doors and sharing the gospel and witnessing and then living a life that backs that up. We're not perfect, but we ought to be blameless. 
having a spirit that when they get around us, the Bible said that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Having a spirit that when things go wrong on the job, they look at how they, everybody else responds and then they see how you respond. They say, man, that, he don't act like they act. He's not cussing. He's not, he's not even mad. He's saying all things work together for good. I want to ask you this morning. Are you right with God? How's your behavior? When I have drifted from the Lord, the first people that detect that in my life is right there on this pew. I remember my kids growing up, there's been times when even in the ministry and busyness and things, I would get too busy sometimes. And There's times I've set my children down and I've said, I said, I'm sorry. I said, Daddy's just been a, they just been a little backslid. Then I said, no, there ain't no such thing as a little backslid. I said, girls, Daddy's just been too busy. And I've not prayed like I should have the last two days. I've not been in the scriptures as much as I, and I'm sorry it's affected my attitude and I apologize to you. It's not a bad thing to do. There's times I've had to say to my wife, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to snap at you. I wasn't right. I just, I just needed to get right with God. But before I get right with God, I need to get right with you. I apologize. Amen. Too much at stake this morning to play church. Won't you get your spirit right, your attitude right, your heart right, your tongue right, your, your eyes, your, your ears, all that stuff. You can quit all that stuff that may be affecting you, but if your heart is not right. Maybe you're here this morning and you're coming to church and you're not getting anything because you're, you're upset about something that happened who knows when and nobody knows about it but you. You've stewed on it so long the devil's used it as a great weapon to pull you down. Why don't you put that on this altar this morning? Let go of it and say, it don't even matter in eternity. And get right with the Lord as we stand this morning. The behavior of a backslider, you'll never hide it if you're truly saved. What are we going to sing, Brother David? Page 407, would you get a hymn book? And if you need to come, would you be honest before God and do that this morning?